Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Jan Markell continues her look at the New World Order and Bible prophecy, and Marvin McIlvaney will share an important Bible in the News report. There are so many ways to access Watchmen on the Wall. Here on the radio, on our website, swrc.com, you can also subscribe to our daily podcast or download our SWRC app. All of these ways ensure that you'll never miss a moment of Watchmen on the Wall. Yesterday, author Jan Markell began to expose those behind the New World Order. Today, she joins James Collins to continue revealing the New World Order in Bible prophecy. If you were to do an internet search for the New World Order, most of what you would find says that it's all a conspiracy theory. But the New World Order and the push for a one-world government is not a conspiracy theory. It is a conspiracy fact. Joining me again on The Watchman on the Wall to talk about the New World Order is Jan Markell from Olive Tree Ministries. Jan is an author, conference speaker, and broadcaster. Her Understanding the Times radio program is heard on over 850 radio stations across America. Jan recently produced a DVD titled Hidden in Plain View, The New World Order in Bible Prophecy, and she's here today to talk with me about it. Jan, welcome back to The Watchman on the Wall. James, thanks for having me. Well, Jan, let me start by asking you, how would you answer someone who says that all of this New World Order stuff is nothing more than a conspiracy theory? Well, I would say that then you're calling what's written in the Bible a conspiracy theory because Revelation 13, as well as 17, clearly talks about a coming one-world system, and it's going to be, obviously, as most of your listeners know, run by the Antichrist. The Church will be enjoying heaven, run by the Antichrist, by a false prophet, by Satan himself. That would be the Satanic Trinity. But it's all spelled out in Revelation 13. In order to buy and sell, you're going to have to receive, well, you're going to have to be Satan's mark, mark of the beast, Antichrist's mark of the beast. So you're arguing with what's in the Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't call it a new world order, but it calls it a one-world globalist system. And it goes back to Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, and it spans 5,000 years. Now, if, in fact, a scheme outlined in the Bible spans 5,000 years, that is the effort to form it and the organizations to form it began 5,000 years ago, I don't think that's a conspiracy. I do think that's reality. I spoke with Jeff Kinley the other day about his book that he wrote with Mark Hitchcock, Global Reset, and he had some interesting things to say about Emmanuel Macron. You also reference him in your DVD. What is Emmanuel Macron's role in globalism? Emmanuel Macron rose in a kind of an intriguing way, and back in, I believe it was 2017, he was proud to say that he was a globalist. And interestingly enough, The Economist magazine that would have been back in 2017, 2018, put him on the front cover of their magazine with a huge title asking, is he Europe's savior? And then they have him literally walking on water. I show a picture of this in the DVD we're talking about. And the Gateway Pundit says that Macron's impact on the world could be massive. Now, is he... A part of the New World Order? Well, the short answer to that is yes. 
Is he an antichrist figure? We don't know. I mean, quite frankly, I think he rose in prominence in a very significant way and very quickly, a very young man. I believe he was elected when he was like 39 years old. But in the meantime, in his five years of ruling France, I mean, the economy is tanking, the people are unhappy. So he's clearly not Europe's savior. I don't think that's the point. I think the point is the media is starting to talk this way, and the media, in this case the economists, is asking, is he Europe's savior? So I think there's a mindset where, you know, James, if we look right now at the world and global leaders, who is there as a global leader? Donald Trump was an excellent leader. He's gone. Benjamin Netanyahu is gone. Are we reduced to Emmanuel Macron as a world leader? I think we almost are, and therefore the world is clamoring for someone they can follow and trust as a world leader because there really isn't one. I think one of the most eye-opening parts of your presentation was when you go through the history of some of the organizations that have played into the globalist scheme. Let me name a couple of those organizations and have you comment on them. Let's start with the Freemasons. How has Freemasonry played into the globalist scheme? They began in a harmless way back in the 1700s. They were builders using masonry as their trade. But for some reason, evil got into it almost immediately, and their leaders started thinking. Again, you know, there are levels in masonry, and there are those that enter masonry and are clueless about that organization that I'm speaking of today, not necessarily going back 400 years, but the leaders and the founders of masonry had a scheme in mind, and that was a one-world system. And I just think Satan puts that into the minds of a lot of people, almost I mean, probably millions throughout time who have been somehow satanically inspired to think that there could be a one-world system. Again, it's in the Bible, Revelation 13. So the Masons were one of the first organizations to come along to start talking about that some three to four hundred years ago. Are they still today? I suspect they are. You go on and talk about the Rothschild banking empire of the 1700s. Tell me about their role in globalism. They're a very interesting family. There was Meyer Amschel Rothschild, and then his five sons. They instilled a banking empire in about five nations in Europe. And I know it sounds terribly conspiratorial, but in fact, they talked about a one-world-type government, and what they were hoping was that their banking system, because after... Meyer Amschel passed on, the five sons took it over, and the five sons, again, they were in five different countries, and their goal was to be the banking empire that would be behind a one-world system. Now, where did they get that idea? They certainly didn't sit down and read Revelation 13. We know that. So my hunch is Satan somehow put the idea into their mind, just as he did Adam Wise helped about the same time, who was a banking institution himself, and so he conspired with the Rothschilds going into the late 1700s that together they could take over the world, and they would take it over through their banking empire. By the late 1800s, John D. Rockefeller was considered the wealthiest American of all time. How did the Rockefeller empire influence globalism? This is an intriguing topic because in the late 1800s, obviously they were thrust into power. They were 
probably some of the richest people in the world, John D. Rockefeller in the late 1800s, but he had several sons who, one of them just passed away some two, three years ago, David Rockefeller, and he was, what a globalist. He was probably one of the modern-day architects of a one-world idea. David Rockefeller, he lived to be 101, but the whole family was into this, and it's called the Rockefeller Empire. And again, I don't like to sound like it's a conspiracy, but I do believe that, again, Satan planted the idea into the Rockefeller Empire mindset that this would be a way in which they could make even more money, not that they needed it, (laughs) But it was a satanic thought, and I think had David Rockefeller lived or if he were still alive today and in good health, he would be, again, he would be one of the leading proponents of all of this because he was in his prime. This idea of globalism really seemed to gain prominence after World War I with the League of Nations, didn't it? Yes, League of Nations, 1919, which was a precursor, of course, to the United Nations of 1945, And I tell you, James, that's when it really took off, was with the United Nations, because by then, you know, we're in in modern society by, by 1945, and we've got sophisticated world leaders. I mean, gathering to discuss these kinds of topics, gathering to scheme Agenda 2030, and we haven't even talked about the World Economic Forum. I mean, that today is the mover and the shaker. That's Klaus Schwab and his organization. When I made this video, this would have been 2019, Schwab was certainly a prominent player, but he had not stepped to the forefront, and that's because he rode in on the coattails of COVID. Of course, that was a 2020 phenomenon. But we've got these organizations morphing, the League of Nations, United Nations, World Economic Forum, their Agenda 2030. James, they want all of this, and I mean one-worldism, to be blossoming no later than 2030, but their goal and their agenda is in play now. Could it blossom before 2030? Absolutely. But then I believe the church will be gone. I don't believe the church will see one minute of global government. I want to ask you about Henry Kissinger. He's a major globalist. He was there in the background of the photos of just about every globalist meeting in the last 60 years or so. Kissinger is definitely not a MAGA America First Republican, is he? No, interesting you bring him up. I was listening to the radio, and Henry Kissinger was a guest of Hugh Hewitt, talk radio host. Mr. Kissinger, I believe, is 95 years old or 96, and he was having a discussion with Hugh Hewitt. Now, I don't recall what the topic was because it wasn't globalism, but the point is, my goodness, this major mover and shaker of one world government, and he is, is still on the scene in 2022. Not only is he still on the scene, he's still talking in an articulate manner to a national talk show host here in the summer of 2022. I found that to be astounding. Now, does he have a lot of years left? Probably not, but that's not the point. The man has had a 60-year career as a globalist. Jen, I want to ask you about the Vatican. What role do they play in globalism? If I can just be real blunt, many of us call Pope Francis, and I think now we're wondering how much time does he have as Pope. We call him the vicar of the New World Order. He will talk far, far more about how a one-world system can be a benefit to humanity more than how Jesus Christ can be a benefit to humanity. 
and he's called for a one-world government since his installation, which I believe was 2013. He wants no borders, wants no walls, he wants no national sovereignty. He is the essence of a globalist. It'd be nice if we could say he is a representative of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, but I cannot say that. I believe that the one world idea is what's driving him, and he's contributed to it. Whether he steps down today or tomorrow or next year, he's been a major player in this scheme. You mentioned open borders. Aren't open borders essential to a globalist agenda? Absolutely, and that is why we can look at various leaders who are pro-open borders, which is the entire left politically, without any exception. And then there are some on the right that are going along with it and voting for issues and policies that are globalist in nature. And then let's throw into the mix big tech. I mean, they're all open borders and pro-one world government from Steve Jobs to Mark Zuckerberg to Bill Gates. These are all men with one world government on their mind and fairly anti-capitalist in their mind, which is ironic since it's capitalism that allowed them to sort into popularity and certainly their wealth. But now they're speaking against capitalism and they're speaking against nationalism and they're speaking for one-worldism. Recently, President Biden threatened to use executive action for environmental justice. It seems to me that climate change is a religion for the globalists. How are the globalists using the environmental movement to push for a one-world government? I'm glad you brought that up because, again, these one-worlders needed sort of a useful tool perpetrated by useful idiots, and they tapped into the environmental movement. And as believers, we should be stewards of creation. God gave us authority over creation, and we shouldn't be abusing it. The point is that even Mikhail Gorbachev came along, this would have been some 20, 30 years ago, and he said, the threat of environmental crisis will be the international disaster key that will unlock the new world order. That's Mikhail Gorbachev, former head of the Soviet Union. Now I believe he's living on the West Coast, somewhere near San Francisco. So he and other world leaders, basically what they're saying, if we don't, get control of the environment, and that means a hundred things, including becoming fearful of global warming, et cetera, et cetera. Climate change is the new term now. Then the whole planet will tank because of the environmental crisis that the world faces. So we've got to get behind the environmental movement, the climate change movement, and my goodness, have they had success? Oh, my. And what you just said, James, is so true. The next lockdown is going to be a climate lockdown. Is it going to be in the next few weeks or months? It could be, but they're going to be sanctioning what you can and can't drive, where you can go, how many miles you can go. This is coming, and then potentially a climate lockdown could be the next lockdown. Jan, you've often said things are not falling apart, they're falling into place. Would you elaborate on that statement? Everything I've just said in the natural can sound quite terrifying. Basically, what I've said are some very evil people have been given permission to do some very evil schemes going all the way back to Babylon and then playing out in some modern-day players, and I've named several of them. And so if we want to look at this from a worldly manner, it would be terrifying. But keep in mind, 
that God outlined this in the Bible, and he's outlined it for a purpose, because everything I've just talked about is causing the last days to fall into place, is allowing the church to become aware that Jesus Christ, his return is at the door, and that we need to be spiritually ready for Jesus Christ to return, first in the clouds to take us in the rapture of the church, and then seven years later, the second coming. And I just want to say to anybody listening who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you need to call out to him today. And all who call in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and will be spared from the wrath to come, from the tribulation and from the flames and fires of hell. And I encourage you to do that today. Don't wait. No one's guaranteed a tomorrow. I am so grateful for your ministry and your stand for truth. I really am. And I hope that you'll come back soon and share with us again. Thank you so much, James. I appreciate it greatly. The complete two-day presentation by Jan on the New World Order and Bible Prophecy is available on CD when you call toll-free 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Today in our Resource Center, we are featuring two items from Jan Markell. The DVD entitled Hidden in Plain View, The New World Order and Bible Prophecy, and the book Deceivers, Exposing Evil Seducers and Their Last Day Deception. Make sure you order both of these outstanding items when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144, or you can order online swrc.com. And remember, when you purchase a book or DVD, you are supporting the work and outreach of Watchmen on the Wall. Thank you. When you visit your public library, you're probably looking for a book, not a drag queen. Marvin McIlvaney reports on this disturbing trend of drag queen story hour at your local library in today's Bible in the News report. We read in Matthew 18, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones? The word offend comes from the Greek word shandalizo. This is where we get the word scandalize. Webster's Dictionary defines the word scandalize to mean to shock or offend someone by doing something immoral or illegal. So Jesus is warning everyone that you'd better not scandalize or shock children. He is also teaching that in the kingdom of God, it is childlike humility and modesty that matters, not how rich you are or how much clout you think you may have. Being a dad, I know how easily children can be shocked or frightened. Just jumping out from behind a door and yelling, Boo! would send my children into crying fits. I got in trouble for that. Or how about watching something on TV that the kids may think is real, 
like the Wicked Witch of the West, we know it's just makeup or CGI or a green screen. Children have a hard time distinguishing between real and fictional. They believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and just about anything you tell them. But Jesus said, you better not shock them. In fact, we should be extra careful what we expose our children to. That's why at night, when you put them to bed, you may want to read them a story. But you wouldn't want to read them a story about zombies that eat people's brains. Or how about Dracula who gets into your room at night and sucks your blood? Those kinds of stories are not conducive to sleep. Maybe you could read them a story about Lawn Boy or Gender Queer. Gender Queer is a graphic novel aimed at young readers. It also contains explicit illustrations of two adolescent boys performing various sex acts. There's all kinds of books like that at your local library. According to the America Library Association, also known as the ALA, Maya Kobabe's Gender Queer is 2021's most challenged book. Challenged books are materials that someone has attempted to remove or restrict from a curriculum or library collection. This book, Gender Queer, has also received an Alex Award and a Stonewall Award. The Alex Awards annually recognize 10 books written for adults that have special appeal to young people. Essentially, the award is a listing by the American Library Association. On the ALA website, they posted this message. Find resources to defend this graphic novel in your schools and libraries. It's interesting they want to ban books by Dr. Seuss or Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, but they want the public to find resources to defend gender queer. Probably the biggest scandalization of children is the Drag Queen Story Hour in public libraries. Drag Queen Story Hour is a program or event featuring drag queens reading stories to children in libraries, schools, or bookstores. It was created by Michelle T. in San Francisco. On their website, you'll find this, quote, Drag Queen Story Hour events are happening all over the world at libraries, schools, bookstores, museums, summer camps, after-school programs, and other community spaces. Why does it have to be drag queens? Well, according to their website, they say they are, quote, storytellers using the art of drag to read books to kids in libraries, schools, and bookstores. Drag Queen Story Hour captures the imagination and play of the gender fluidity of childhood and gives kids glamorous, positive, and unabashedly queer role models. In spaces like this, kids are able to see people who defy rigid gender restrictions and imagine a world where everyone can be their authentic selves. Close quotes. I didn't know anything about gender fluidity in childhood. Did you? Or did you know about rigid gender restrictions? I certainly didn't. The Texas Library Association, the TLA, is the largest state library association in the United States, with more than 6,000 members from taxpayer-funded school and government libraries. At a recent conference, they considered showcasing other adult entertainers in addition to the cross-dressers. The TLA's conference also included sessions on promoting LGBTQ sexual behaviors and keeping controversial pornographic materials on kids' school bookshelves. 
How does this improve reading or listening or attention skills or promote the love of books? Why not use a practice storyteller or expressive reader? When listening to a book, I want the kids focused on the story, using their brains to predict, understand vocabulary, and not be distracted by the dress and the freakiness of the presenter. And if the costume doesn't augment or support the story, then it should be a no-no. For example, Dan Fisher, a former state senator and pastor, does a presentation called the Black Robe Regiment. He dresses up as a colonial soldier and tells the story of how preachers would join the fight for independence. The costume goes with the story. Children are not developed enough to handle the shock of a grown man twerking in a dress in front of them. It'll stick in their minds like any sexual assault. Dressing as a farmer to tell a story about farming is one thing. Dressing as something controversial is another. The controversy takes the focus away from innocent story time and puts the focus on a sexual issue. Let's say I make my 10-year-old daughter dress in a really sexy costume and dance in front of an adult audience for money. I would get arrested right away for pedophilia, child endangerment, and register as a sex offender. But if I dress up my 10-year-old son as a drag queen and then make him dance in front of adult audience for money, then I'm labeled as a progressive parent. The left would praise me and defend me. I could be on a talk show where my son is talking about how he lives his life to the fullest. How is dressing up a child progressive anyway? Am I supposed to believe that a child came up with this idea without any coercion from the parent? Watching my daughter grow up, I can understand that even small girls like to dress up as princesses. By the way, I googled whether or not I could have a Jesus story hour, and I was told, quote, The library is a public space and is not a suitable environment for religious observances. You are likely to be interrupted or asked to move. People kneeling in prayer in out-of-the-way spaces are often unintentionally blocking access to bookshelves and fire exits. No one is asking for book banning. No one is asking for book burning. We're asking for book boundaries. We want age-appropriate books in our children's libraries. That's all we're asking. Newspapers can't print this material. And you'd be arrested if you gave it to a child on the street. So why is this in our children's library? Books are to promote imagination. There are thousands of stories in the library. Why does a man have to dress up like a woman to read a story? Children need to know the Bible. Their knowledge of God's Word is the hope for our future. Jan Markell's powerful presentation, Hidden in Plain View, The New World Order and Bible Prophecy, is now available on DVD. Jan Markell exposes the names behind the New World Order. Make sure you order In Plain View by Jan Markell when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can always order online, swrc.com. Also be sure and order Jan's book, Deceivers, Exposing Evil Seducers and the Last Day's Deception. Both of these resources are available when you visit our website, swrc.com, or call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, we look back at the faith-filled legacy of prophecy scholar, Dr. Ed Heinsen. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.